Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. And a pleasant Friday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Today we'll be talking about food and food security. We're all well aware by now of what kind of wrinkles a pandemic can throw into our ability to rely 100% on our supply chain. Sometimes we just haven't been able to get the things we want in, and sometimes we're beginning to see the rising costs associated with things when they get disrupted, uh, those things that we normally consume. Those reasons, as well as many others that existed well before the pandemic, have us uh, looking like many communities throughout, throughout the country, particularly in smaller communities, about gravitating towards going local, growing local, consuming local, eating fresh, and being more sustainable and more healthy. We'll be talking to some of the people in our communities, our local community and our rural communities, about what they're doing to help move us towards that kind of local economy on today's show. Today in the uh, on the video chat, I have Melissa Burns from the Old Harbor Alliance, the Sitkalita Bison Project, and Sunrise Farms, Tyler Cornelis from Kodiak Harvest Co-op, and Sam Canoyer from the Marlene Canoyer Gardens in Larson Bay. Welcome, all of you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope it is bright and sunshiny where you, you are. Yeah, thank you for being here. Well, let's uh, let's just start by uh, like having you introduce yourself. So I'll start with you, uh, Melissa. Um, tell people a little about, bit about yourself and where you're located at and what kind of projects that you're associated with right now. Sure. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Melissa Burns Aboda, and I live down in Old Harbor on the southeast side of the island. Um, I, well, actually, I live in Kodiak uh, most of the time, but I grew up down here in Old Harbor, and I'm involved with the programs um, through the Old Harbor Alliance, um, and um, which include the Cyclitic Sunrise Farm and the Cyclitic Bison Herd. I'm fortunate to be able to, um, when I live in Kodiak, to be able to manage those programs remotely. Um, but since the um, pandemic, I've relocated my family back down here to Old Harbor, and I'm able to be more hands-on with our with our program out here. So, a little bit. How long? How long? How long has the alliance been in existence, and what do you do? So, the Old Harbor Alliance uh, was formed in 2015. Um, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, the need for having a nonprofit within the Old Harbor community was identified by our leadership with the with the tribe Old Harbor Aluta tribe of Old Harbor 
the Old Harbor Native Corporation and the city of Old Harbor. And so uh, together they form the nonprofit and uh, we have membership, um, you know, all the membership includes all of tribal members, all uh, corporation shareholders and descendants and members of the Old Harbor community. Um, we do have representation on our board um, that represents those three entities as well as elders and youth from the community. Um, and we um, work um, together to um, provide opportunities within our community, both now, now our main priority is food security, but uh, we, we had a big focus on cultural activities. So we were doing like the, the culture camp that's down here in Old Harvard, Nunez camp, um, working with the school students. Um, we have a lot of family activities and um, there was, there was a lot more that we we're able to do when people were able to congregate. And so since now we're not able to congregate, we're, we're focusing more on um, indirectly supporting community members. So the leadership in the Old Harbor Tribe decided that you needed to put together a nonprofit to help make Old Harbor a stronger community. Is that so you, then you kind of branch into any area that would fit under that giant umbrella? Yes, in, in essence, that, that's correct. And um, there's a lot of uh, opportunities that were available to nonprofits that weren't necessarily available um, to the city or the tribe or the native corporation. And by having this nonprofit, we're able to apply and then um, use either um, support from those entities as, as in-kind to help us um, leverage um, when we're applying for grants. I see. So from the baby steps, from I imagine this is like early 2000s somewhere in that period before you actually got kicked off with the Alliance in 2015. Um, then you branch out and are into the, the Bison Project, which is a couple of years later, and the farm, which was established like last year. Is that right? Or that that's that is correct however the farm um had started along with the other rural village farms um uh oh goodness probably about four or five years ago and those were it was managed by the Alutic tribe of old harbor it wasn't until 2019 that the farm um was turned over to the old harbor alliance by the tribe um so that we could manage it and uh, provide the the foods for the community Okay, so is this a, a is this a collaboration between all of the different native the, all of the, the different villages and the local community here to you know decide that we need to have a, a community wide gardening program? How did it get um, kicked off? So the the way that it all came to fruition was through the Kodiak Rural Leadership Forum. Um, and the Kodiak Rural Leadership Forum is a, a group um, where tribal entities, city and community leaders from around the, the islands, villages come together about three to three times a year. Um, it was supported by the Kodiak Island Housing Authority. And about six years ago, um, that, that group had identified food security as a priority for our rural communities. And so um, a steering committee was formed and members from the communities of Larson Bay, Old Harbor, Uzinki and Port Lyons worked with um, the Kodiak Archipelago Leadership Institute, which is Cali. It's a nonprofit that was put together um, that came out of this Kodiak Rural Leadership Forum. And they were able to write an ANA grant, which is the administration of Native Americans. And these four farms were, were funded and um, it provided 
provided the support for them to put in two hoop houses um, in each of these communities, um, poultry farms, if, if they were interested in having poultry farms. Um, I think Port Lyons got into beekeeping, so it funded their, their bee project. Um, and it, it also provided a lot of technical support um, so that and training so that um, folks who were identified and hired through the project were able to learn more about agriculture and, um, and you know, growing. Yeah. So it's always been fairly difficult in the villages to access free or, or access fresh food, right? It, it is. You know, we're most of us are, well, I guess all of us are only accessible by boats and planes. And so the, the cost of transporting goods from Kodiak is quite expensive. I, just for here in Old Harbor, it's now at 73 cents a pound. So, um, you know, when you're adding, tapping that on to buying your groceries in Kodiak, which are already at a higher rate um, than the lower 48, you know, it, it gets quite, quite pricey. And so this was a way to kind of reduce that food mile and provide um, healthy, healthy um, food options for our rural communities. Okay. Well, let's get down with the, into the weeds a little bit later after we've done the initial introductions here. Um, Sam, let's go to you out there in Larson Bay. Well, I've been, I've been uh, involved with this project since its inception. This is our fifth year of operation. Uh, first year was construction, and then we started the real learning curve. And we've seen our farm progress a little better, a little better every year. Um, we've been operating out of one of the two hoop houses because I just haven't had the manpower to both maintain what we develop and move forward. Um, this has been a slow, methodical process, but we've got two houses, two hoops up and running now. And hopefully this summer we're going to begin working on some outside gardening. And we're just, our goal is self-sustainability. Um, we do have some outside funding through BIA with an old ag program that, uh, was kind of on the books and not being used, and we did a little research and got it back up and active again, so it's helped fund our project. Uh, and it, my, biggest, my biggest challenge is just finding enough help out here. Yeah. Manpower is hard to come by, and summertime is when we grow, and summertime is when most folks, they're out fishing. But we've done a good job, I think, um, getting a little better every year. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles Tyler has solved for us is, okay, if we can grow this stuff, what do we do with it? Because we are growing more than we can consume here in the community. And Tyler has given us an outlet to, through the, through the co-op to, um, sell our produce. Okay. And I think that's really going to be the biggest, the biggest deciding factor in keeping this thing moving forward. Let's go back to the beginning with you, though, Sam. For those of you who aren't, aren't familiar with what you're doing out there in Larson Bay, are, are, you, are you working on a solo project? Do you work in coordination with the tribes? Do you work in coordination with the city of Larson Bay? How did you get there, and how did you get involved in farming, and how did you decide to do what you're doing now? Oh, wow. So my first—I remember talking about this. It was, I was the mayor at the time, and I don't know how many years ago— it was, but we had a meeting, and Robbie, um, Robbie facilitated that meeting, and it was called, it was an economic development meeting for the communities, and the guy who really, I think, started this was Ben Clarion over in, over in Uzinki, and he was the one started talking about these farms and thinking what a great idea it would be and put people to work and get fresh-grown local uh, produce, and it just went from there, and I, I, I guess I've been involved in it since the very beginning, 
and then uh, Robbie researched things, got the grants going, and together they look who's interested. Well, I raised my hand, and here I am. There I'm, you are. And thinking back, um, yeah, here I am. And so thinking back, Melissa was involved in it from the beginning, uh, Dan Clarion from the beginning, and Guy Bartles over in Fort Lyons and myself, I think are the only – we're the – um, the other operating cans and changing management um, throughout the years. And one of the, what I think the, the biggest thing we've had here is continuity um, through the training and through year to year efforts and planning. So is the idea and both, is the start, is the startup idea then um, uh, based on food or is it is it bringing jobs into the community? Uh, in a place where there's not a lot of jobs year round, I mean, or is it a combination of those two things? I mean, why did you kick this off? It was a combination of those two things. Yes. Okay. And how how big is your operation now? Um. Well, I got two. I got I got two hoops erected. One is in full operation and has been for three years. Um, the second hoop, I've got it half. I got it under half operation right now. I got half my beds up and running. We're going to be working on the other half um, this summer. Getting a, it's a, it's a lot of work because you we got beds, we uh, we haul in topsoil, we run it through a hand, run it through a sifter, get all the rock clean, and then there's, there's a process of composting and building our soils. So it's a, it's a long process to get to get these things up and running. So are you in? A, are you a solo? In, um, are you doing a solo business, or are you in partnership with the city of Larson Bay? Do you work cooperatively with some of these other growers in the other rural communities? Yes, to all three. We the the tribe actually uh, manages the project, but we have an MOA with the with the city of Larson Bay. It's, it's on city land. Um, the city provides power and provides water at no cost to us. Um, oh. Well, Tyler, let's talk to you a little bit about how you're involved in, in the Kodiak Harvest Food Co-op. Yeah, okay. It sounds like we lost Sam there. Um, uh, so, yeah, my name's Tyler Cornelis. Uh, my uh, day job is the, the Economic Development Project Manager at the Kodiak Area Native Association, and I'm also the president of the Kodiak Harvest Food Co-op. Um, I think... What Sam was talking about in terms of the uh, excess produce in the community, um, having an outlet is a good place to start. Um, you know, when I first became involved with the co-op, um, I think we're about four years ago now, five years ago, was at the inception of the uh, Village Farm Project. Um, you know, I think the main goal of the Village Farm Project was to feed, you know, the local village community, but then get to a point where you can actually and your excess out of the community and, and, and sell it into the Kodiak marketplace. Uh, Larson Bay in particular is, is interesting because I know Sam sold produce to the, um, to some of their uh, lodges uh, last year and, and, uh, and I think some to the cannery as well through their, through the store that's open seasonally there. Uh, but then certainly this year we see the tourism downturn uh, really shrink that demand. Um, and what was, going to be a challenging year for them um, we've identified a way forward to get that produce into Kodiak and sell that locally through the co-op 
Okay. The the co-op has been around for since the this 2016, I believe. Is is that correct? Yeah, that's that's when we were incorporated. We we had our first hundred members um, uh, by by membership shares. Um, we've progressed from that point of mainly focusing on a development of a traditional cooperative grocery store um, into listening to our membership and understanding what is what is wanted uh, prior to a grocery store or even in place of a grocery store to be uh, in existence and and that's to provide um, locally grown and whether that's Kodiak based only or, or Alaska uh, in general um, produce and foods um, to the to the market here now is you were in the Canna economic development role before the co-op came online, right? So I guess what I'm what I keep hearing from all three of you is this is kind of think tank work of uh, back five, ten years ago, how do we get fresh food into the rural communities? How do we provide jobs for rural communities? What can we do to improve the quality of life out there? So I think you're like pre-Zoom meetings, right? Isn't there just a lot of a lot of people in a room trying to think of good ways to make us a better place and out of the out of that arises the farm projects? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? I think that Yeah, I think that's a really uh, good uh description of of how it all is coming to fruition. Um you know, having just the farms in general uh, is great and addresses that, uh, uh, you know, the local food access. But for long-term sustainability, you need an income and revenue stream. And I think that the formation of the food co-op, although we are kind of small now, has the strong potential to uh, increase uh, substantially in, as we move forward. You know, and that's, that's not just the produce from the uh, from the village farms. That's from uh, um, you know local uh, uh, aromatherapy uh, products that are made uh, by a person themselves that are made uh, locally in Kodiak. Uh, uh, with the challenges with the farmers market, the artisans and so forth are having challenges moving their product. Um, I think there's a a, a, a way that the co-op can be part of the community in, in more ways than just the, where we're at right now. Okay, so are you right now are the recipient, so it sounds like you're you're working with the, the village farm farms to help them sell their excess. Do you also provide any other kind of support to them? As the co-op uh, or through Canna? Well, through Canna and and I guess through the the co-op, uh, to an extent, uh, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not providing necessarily technical assistance, but I'm I definitely, for example, work with Sam on, um, you know, the pricing of the product, um, and that helps them with their long-term uh, sustainability and, and you know business plan development. Um, it, it's uh, it's the Kodiak Archipelago Leadership Institute that's still supporting the village farms um, with their technical assistance through a, 
through funding from the USDA right now um, through uh, different training opportunities and and uh, and on-site assessments of the of their farm operations. Now, is that a local organization? I'm not familiar with them. Is it a federal federal agency, a state agency, a nonprofit? Who, who are they, and how do they how do they operate? Yeah, uh, the Koyak Archipelago Leadership Institute is a is a local nonprofit, um, and uh, they've operated on a variety of different funding streams in the past. Um, I'm not sure currently what that is at this time, um, but they do support the, um, uh, the the tribal communities throughout the Kodiak region okay. in various ways. All right, Melissa, we're going to talk a little bit about Old Harbor now and what, what you folks are actually doing. I mean, what, who's involved? Do you have staff to help you do what you do? How many hoop houses do you have? And, and, and what's the buffalo pro- or the bison project? Sure. So um, at the Cyclitic Sunrise Farms, we currently have, um, we have two large hoops. Those were um, purchased through the grant and, and those are fully up and operating. We've got a, a large um, crop of, we've got fruit trees in there that are, that are just loaded right now. <laughs> um, you know, tons of lettuces and I mean, just I don't know, a whole variety of, of uh, vegetables and fruits that we've got growing indoors. We also have a very large outdoor space that we're growing in um, with more uh, hardy Alaska cold crops. Um, and so those, those are going um, really well. And uh, we have a third hoop um, that was just donated to us by the tribe. Um, it was one that they had purchased through a USDA um uh, and use the USDA uh, grant program. And um, it was used as a community garden, but hasn't really um, done done very well in the last couple years. Um, they had problems with like, the top ripping off and just where it was located downtown, it was kind of a, a wind tunnel. Um, and so they had had difficult times with keeping the covers on and, and uh, community interest. And so they just turned that third hoop over to the Old Harbor Alliance. We're putting that up. Um, the, it's a lot larger. It's a heated unit. Um, the focus for that one is going to be our nursery and starter area. Um, we've put in several grant proposals to do hydroponics. Um, so hopefully we're able to, to get, get a hydroponic unit, um, established in that hoop that'll allow us to, um, grow crops in a shorter period of time and using less space and, and being able to grow year round. Um, so we're really excited for that. Um, and fingers crossed, will will be will be funded. Um, that'll be a, a whole new um, uh, yeah whole new learning experience for us going into the hydroponics. So um, we're 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 excited for that. Um, let's see the uh, the farm itself is it's it is a group effort. As I said, we're su- we're supported by the the tribe and in the, the city of Old Harbor. So similarly to um, the other villages, our farm is located on a city lot. Um, we have a, a lease agreement with the city of Old Harbor um, to have our farm there. And they also sp- uh, provide water um, at no charge for the farm. Um, the Old Harbor Native Corporation um, has a summer internship program and a, uh, a seasonal worker program. And so 
they're able to provide workers um, that have have been working at the farm since oh gosh I think they started in March the end of March the beginning of April um, and so we've got about four or five workers that have been consistently working on the farm um, this year through the Old Harbor Native Corporation programs um, and that's been you know as Sam had mentioned the manpower has been the larger um, you know a big issue for them over there. Um, it would have been the same thing for us because we're we we're a volunteer uh, organization, the Old Harbor Alliances, and so we do have a lot of community volunteers that come in. But by having these seasonal workers, um, it provides both um, economic opportunity and uh, for people in the community um, to be able to have jobs that otherwise wouldn't. Uh, we've got some youth in there that are getting some hands-on training. Um, so it's, it's a win-win for them as well as us to be able to have that extra manpower um, to be able to get our, our, you know, our plants planted, the weeds plucked, and, and the farm um, underway. So, so uh, what, what's the difference then between the two? What's the difference between a community garden and the, what the alliance is doing in the other two hoop houses? Yeah, so the community garden that we had uh, started, it was, oh gosh, we had started that, um, all my years are blending, I think about <laughs> 10 years ago now, but um, we had just had um, garden beds, so they're like 12 foot by 4 foot, and we were able to put, I think, like 30, 30 of them in the inside the hoop house, and so families would uh, get to get, you know, would would have a plot. So similarly to what they have in Kodiak through the Kodiak Soil and Water Conservation, you sign up, you get a bed, you're able to, you know, grow your your vegetables in there um, and, and and just do it as a family um, and have your own your own little your own little plot. Okay. And so we don't do that anymore. Um, that that model it didn't work out very well. Um, there wasn't as much community interest as as there used to be. Um, and so that that and then they also had the issues with the uh you know the the covers blowing off and such yeah. so they just turned turned that that hoop over to the alliance and now we're gonna um you know expand our farm using that so that was a great addition um yeah so that's the farm and um going into the cyclic bison herd which has been uh, my baby <laughs> um we um have had people from our community harvesting on bison probably for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, whether they purchased hunts from um, the ranchers out of Kodiak, um, there's the Burton's Ranch or uh, Dorman's that used to have it over on Sultry, and we're able to harvest um, bison and, and bring that meat home and, and process it and share it amongst their family members. And so people got the taste of, of, of bison and, and it's, it's, you know, a very healthy, lean protein that has lots and lots of, um, you know, health benefits. And, and it was, um, we, we found out that the Dorman family was, um, they were kind of liquidating out their, their uh, operation there in Kodiak or out of Sultry. And um, we made contact with them. And this was probably about 2015. Um, made contact with with the family and um, began discussions about purchasing the herd um, and we the herd had, had been harvested on pretty heavily 
So I think about 2017, when we were actually, after a lot of technical outreach was done um, about maritime ranching, um, we were in a position to be able to uh, purchase the remaining uh, head that they had there in Sultry. Um, we had a team that that went to um, went up into Sultry. We uh, the animals actually weren't there; they're up in Hidden Basin. So we relocated. Um, we had corral materials brought in. We had a landing craft come in. Um, we had this big setup for our corral and set up um, a large fenced-in kind of pasture area with barbed wire and T-posts, and it was quite the operation. It was a, a very new um, venture for us. And so uh, we were very fortunate to connect with uh, folks with the cattle, Alaska Cattlemen's Association. We had a lot of support from Chris Flickinger there in Kodiak. Um, and they were able to come in and show us how to how to wrangle up bison. <laughs> <laughs> um, were, were you involved in that? It sounds. <laughs> I was. Really? Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I jumped right, jumped right in there with open. Uh, uh, looking back on it, I thought, man, that was really dumb, but <laughs> 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 it was a thrill. Yeah. But anyways, they're, they're my babies. Um, uh, we were able to get 43, 43 head. We got the remaining remaining animals that were located there. We tra transported them to Cichlidic Island. Uh, we have an agreement through the Old Harbor Native Corporation um, for grazing land um, over there on Cichlidic Island. Um, we worked with NRCS's office out of uh, Homer. Um, and had a range, rangeland specialist come down and do an ecological site survey for us. And so we could have a better understanding of grazing area and, um, you know, if, if we needed to have exclusion zones or in the capacity that the, the, the island can, can hold. And um, under two different management strategies, we have identified that, you know, if we just let them free range without any interruption, we can um, expect to have about 400 head on the island. But if we do a couple, it, it not even very much uh, management where we move them to different areas of the island um, and have a winter grazing and then a summer grazing, we can expect to have about 800 head. head. Um, and so we're, our, we have a management team together. And so we, we look at these different uh, scenarios and as our herd grows, um, we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to implement um, some of these practices to, to maximize our herd. Um, we are um, members through, through the Aleutic Tribe of Old Harbor. Uh, we are members of the Intertribal Buffalo Council. It's a national organization. Um, I serve on their board of directors because you know, I just jumped right into this whole bison <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, but we're able to uh, receive grant funding through the Intertribal Buffalo Council um, on an annual basis to help us with the overall management of the herd. Um, we're able to buy feed, um, you know, and I, it helped to pay for some of the transportation costs. Um, it's because it's on the island here, we have to fly out and do surveys um, you know, to keep, keep an eye on our herd. And so that, that costs money and uh, helicopter time. And so, um, we're able to support the, support that program through, through this, uh, through the Intertribal Buffalo Council. 
Um, right now we are at, uh, well, actually I, I don't know because it's calving season, so I won't say an exact amount, but as of, um, April, middle of April, we were at 63 head, um, over on the Island. And I expect at least, I think last year we had 13 calves and I expected this year at least 25. Um, we, uh, wow. yeah, they, they grow quite <clears throat> quickly. You know, every, every cow, if they, we have optimal conditions, optimal winters and food supplies, we should expect a calf for every cow. Um, which, which will help, help the herd, you know, the herd to expand, um, pretty rapidly. Um, uh, we, in March, um, when the pandemic came out, we had decided to harvest two bison, um, and, uh, those two bison were harvested. There were bulls. We have to, you know, manage our bull cow ratio. And we identified that we had more, more bulls than we needed. So we, uh, <laughs> pulled out two bulls, two bulls. And, um, from that, we're able to process the meat here in the community. And we, um, dispersed over 600 pounds of, of bison meat throughout the community. I think we, um, reached about 73 homes. And so that was huge, uh, for us just with two bison. And so we're looking at the long-term plan. Um, you know, if we're able to keep it within our um, even if we reach 400 head and we're able to harvest 30 bison per, per, per year, year, yeah, per year, that's close to 20,000 pounds of meat. And then with looking at the, the market value of bison, it's, it's close to over $200,000 worth of meat product that we're able to have a self-sustaining operation here that, you know, isn't going to cost anybody anything, um, it, you know, except for, you know, fuel to get over there to the island and go and hunt so um we're really excited about this program it's it is in its infancy um we are doing um uh, a lot of things um to to learn more about the bison and to learn about their uh grazing patterns and um this coming month uh, or next month um in july um i'll be going out with a team of of uh, a veterinarian and biologists, and we're going to be putting out ten radio collars on our um, various animals in our herd, both bulls and cows, and so that we can um, take a better look at their resource use on the island, and that'll help us with our management strategies. Um, it'll also help us to better understand how they're interacting with the native species that are on the island. So um, I'm really excited about that project. Um, we'll be, yeah, out there on the ground. Uh, Native species, are there, there's, are there cows there still? Oh, we, you know, we've got, you know, the bear and the deer. Oh, the bears. You don't want to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, we've watched the bears over there um, grazing on, grazing on the spring green up right there next to the, next to the bison herd. And they seem to have a, uh, mutual respect for one another right now and and uh, we hope that that continues and we don't have any predation and and uh, you know negative negative interactions we don't want to have to you know be um, you know getting rid of bears that are that are problems you know we we expect that there's going to be some predation that's just what happens in nature but yeah. um, you know minimal um, impact that our bison could have on on the island um, the better well, clear. so is the intent to 
is the intent to help feed the pop the old harbor population or are you eventually looking down the road to sending it to sending it out for sale so we got we have several different um different um goals that have been identified by our management group um number one is feeding our community that's that's the first and foremost um we have we're gonna have three different tiers of hunts and so the first tier is a cultural hunt and that allows our leadership to identify how many bulls may need to be culled out and then we'll have those harvested by identified community members and then that meat comes back to the community we process it and then we share that with people that are in need um, and we also use it for our uh, potlucks and for our youth programs um, so that's our first hunt. The second hunt is a tier two hunt, and that's for community members to apply. It's going to be on a lottery system. Um, and the way that that's going to go is that it has to identify two households that are going to benefit from the harvest. So it'll be Joe's house and Paul's house, and they get together and they go out and they can hunt that together if they're drawn. Um, the idea behind that is to... Um, there's a lot of meat, you know, <laughs> you're getting a lot of meat. And so by being able to hunt um, together, um, it helps to put meat in two households freezers, but, you know, they can support each other um, to be able to haul that meat back out of the field and minimize waste um, that can otherwise happen, you know, if one person's just out there doing it by themselves. Um, and then the third, the third hunt um, will happen after we meet the needs of our community. The third one um, will be a hunt for sale, um, and that's that allows us to sell hunts. That the funding for that will, um, or you know, the income that we receive from those hunts will support the bison management um, and also our cultural programs and uh, elders and youth programs that are operated through the Old Harbor Alliance. So it's kind of an economic um, um, little economic driver there, um, and then. You know, further down the road, we identified that uh, we can use this as an opportunity to possibly process meat for sale. And so um, in order to do that, we, you know, that's a long, long ways out. I don't know, maybe 10 years out. I say long ways, but 10 to 15 years out, we look at, uh, we're looking to try to purchase a mobile processing plant and have that certified so that we can harvest um meat and uh, be able to get it out into the market and also bring back um, help to support our, our programs. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of opportunity in the villages that didn't exist before. Are there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the resources from the, the hoop houses though, I mean, I, I kind of think of it as it, it, who owns it? Is it a commu community garden in that way? You, when you distribute what you get, does it go directly into the community? Um, somebody says, I need some lettuce. Are you, are, you, are you just sharing it freely with people in the community who need it? Or do, is there a, a store? Are, we, are you working? No, we are sharing it freely within the community. It's um, Our priority right now is for elders and youth um, and, then, um, and then into you know, households, um, general households within the community. Um, we did us, we have a survey that's going out um, to the elders um, because they're our number one identified priority. 
to find out what they're interested in. And so we'll, as soon as we meet their needs, then the rest will be just up um, either for community distribution or um, access being able to, to be flown into Kodiak and, and sold there and help to um, bring in a little bit of income that can help sustain the farm. Yeah. Uh, Sam, same with you. Sam, are you still there? Yeah, sir, I'm here. So how does it how does it work with you with with distributing what you're growing into your community and, and then into the Kodiak community? Well, we, obviously our community is priority. So I won't send anything to Kodiak that we can use here. Um, our our elders, our full time residents, not just elders, but our full time residents are they're free to come up and ask me for anything at any time. I'll, I'll share freely with them. Um, we have lodges that are that uh, use our resources. I've got one, two. I've got three lodges that are frequent as regular. Um, then we got we got Tyler. <laughs> but the the yeah, it's I'm kind of a little lost here. Oh, damn it! <clears throat> but we try to we try our first priority of, of course is our community. Um, they're the people that. That, that support us, and when I when I need help, like uh, covering the hoop the other day, it takes more manpower than I can wrangle. So I get community members out here, and then they come back, and we pay them in produce as it as it comes along. So again, is is just just is just just a shared community resource? You do you have a market? Are you you sustaining yourself with income that you're getting from the lodges? Um, I mean, yeah. how do you keep yourself going? Yeah. You do. Well, we, we we have the BIA grant, which or the BIA BIA program, which helps, and that provides wages and materials and supplies for us. Um, but then the lodges, yes, they they uh, they purchase their produce from us. Um, we sold about two thousand dollars worth last year. We're hoping to like maybe double, at least double that this year. I think we can do that. Um, this has been an ongoing process. Every year, the program gets a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. If I get more. If I get more construction done, I have more behind me to to work with. Um, like I said, we got we got I got one and a half hoops now. We hope to have two by the end of summer, and then some outdoor beds going by next year. And we're gonna and um, we have no cannery this year. Our cannery is not operating. They have just construction crews down there, and they're servicing tenders, and that's really about all they're doing. But the, we have a typically have a had a, a cannery store and the owner of the store agreed to start purchasing our produce this last summer where they were going to start doing it for this year, but then the store didn't open this year, but we have, we have that outlet too. Um, but again, we, we, I grow way more here than our, our, our locals can consume. So it's, it's easy to, it's easy to freely pass it on. Um, without Tyler and without the co-op, uh, we'd, we'd have no need to even, we, we could have got by fine with just one hoop. Okay, Tyler. Well, that's a good pass off to you. We're, how big is the demand? Can we can we consume everything that's going to be grown here? Well, I think that the demand of uh, uh, local produce um, far exceeds the current supply, um, and there's a huge opportunity to grow. I guess pun intended, <laughs> the uh, volume of uh, of produce coming in or, or being grown here locally. Um, Kind of wanted to talk about the the produce boxes that we started back in April. Right. Um, we we had an opportunity through um, 
uh, supplier that's over in Anchorage called Arctic Harvest Deliveries. They had some hardy crops, you know, potatoes and carrots and beets, um, as well as some hydroponic greens. Um, and uh, we we were looking at, you know, what is the what what can we do with that? How can we distribute that to the, through the community? And and, uh, and we identified produce boxes that are kind of pre-established because people could order it on our website and then stop by during a set period of time and then uh, pick it up and they don't even have to interact with a person, um, you know, person to person. So that helps people who may not want to go into the grocery store during this time and, and get some access to the to these crops. Um, I think what happened was that uh, people started to get a little bit of a, a stockpile of potatoes and carrots. They couldn't go through every week, so our sales kind of went down. Um, but as we're, our variety is starting to pick up, you know, we've got cucumbers and lettuce and spring mix and, and microgreens and herbs and, you know, you know, produce varieties that are coming online every week that's becoming more uh, varied. So I think the demand will start to increase um, quite substantially. Um, and uh, and we're also selling some add-on items um, that that uh, you can you can get some honey. Um, we're um, we're selling Java Flats cookies, so there's a way to get your Java Flats cookie fix without having to drive all the way to the flat. Oh man! Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right there in town. There's a bonus, uh, huh? There's, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's discussions with uh, with Monks Rock and trying to get some of their bread in. Um, and then there's a, a new development that we're we're working with the Koyak Baptist Mission um, coming to starting in early July. We are looking to be open uh, a couple days a week in one of their buildings, um, and that likely would be Saturday morning from like 10 to 1, and Wednesday evening from 4 to 7 is kind of the ballpark we're looking at right now from July into August, and. We'll actually have a presence there for for that time to sell this locally grown produce. Um, we're looking at other Alaska products uh, like from Barnacle Seafoods. They have salsa and kelp pickles. Um, there's the uh, Alaska Salt Company that that is interested in getting into the marketplace here. Um, and so we're we're hoping to build consistency at a location so that we can increase our volumes um, of of produce that we're selling. And we are looking for other producers out there. If you're a family uh, that has a hoop house and you're finding yourself with excess produce and you want to talk to us and see how we can maybe uh, work with you to get some additional income to your family, um, by all means, please do email us. Uh, email is kodiakharvest at gmail.com, um, and we'd love to talk to you. Well, Tyler, what's your focus? I mean, is is your focus to get more uh, fresh and locally made goods into the community so we don't uh, we don't have to rely on the supply chain, or we're just providing economic opportunities to people in the community that have things that they want to get out communally, sort of? It's a combination of, of both. Um, I'm sure many people have been into the local grocery store when the shelves are bare and all you want is a head of lettuce <laughs> and you know you just there's nothing there um that supply chain is fragile um we're, we're experiencing challenges with the supply chain uh, right now uh, bringing in produce from the mainland on alaska air cargo 
uh, is the best option, and that's pretty expensive, um, about 75 cents a pound. Um, but then even just delays with, with weather or capacity, we've had delays this last week of a, of a couple of days. So that's a challenge there. But if we can address that supply chain challenge by also uh, creating an, an economic opportunity from, from a, you know, not only the co-op perspective but a local grower's perspective, um, I think that's a strong benefit too. And it increases our local food security over the course of time. So how big is the market for the produce boxes? I, I, I frankly, I thought that these were going on way pre-pandemic. Um, are, are you, is that true? I mean, is this something new that? No. So the produce boxes uh, that we're we're putting together, we started in about April, um, and and we started at between thirty and fifty, um, and that's with that low kind of variety <laughs> of just your yeah. potatoes and so forth. Um, and, and then I think that as as that. Uh, Variety increases. I think the demand will will increase uh, as well. I'm, I, I can see it being 50 or more boxes a week pretty easily. Uh, and the nice thing about that is it's pre-purchased. You come by and you pick it up, and you don't even have to. I mean, it's just get your name on it, and, and there you go. Um, but then also, you have the opportunity if you want to buy other other produce that we've got uh, available as well. Okay, so the the organic boxes that have been in the community for i don't know 5 10 years now uh that's not that's not a locally grown thing i mean that's the difference and i guess the attraction of what you're offering through produce boxes is that these are all kodiak products that you're going to get in your box right yeah so i mean you're probably familiar with full circle yeah um a, a produce box kind of a community-supported agriculture concept that you can subscribe to. Uh, none of that produce is, is grown in Kodiak. Um, some of it, I believe, is, is, is increasing in Alaska-grown products, which is fantastic. That's great for the state um, agriculture uh, industry. Um, the, the other uh, community-supported agriculture is a, uh, it's, it's through Bounty Farms, and that's a uh, owned by Judy Hamilton, um, and they're—I'm not sure how many boxes they sell a year or how many subscriptions they have, but um, I, I've got one myself. I get a half half a or a per, um, half a share, and that's plenty of uh, produce to get us through from for a week until we get our next uh, share. Um, and so that is a different concept that community-supported agriculture is essentially buying a, um, a share of the, of the output of a farm um, before the farm has uh, grown the produce. Okay, I understand. And so that helps make sense so that you kind of pay the farmer to then do the work. Um, and then you, you know, if the farm's really productive, your, your boxes are great. And then, you know, if for some reason there's challenges with production, then your, your boxes might be a little a little lower, um, so you're taking risks with the farmer. So your pro- produce boxes arose directly out of response to the pandemic then. So do you anticipate that this is something that is going to be a continuing project? Um, 
because if you're hooking up with all these uh, different organizations, different farms and different producers throughout the community, you, you're probably going to have a bounty of things you that you, you could make readily available through these boxes, right? Yeah, I mean, so the concept is that is that we would have a preset, you know, a pound of lettuce, a couple pounds of uh, carrots, and you know, a few cucumbers and some kale in in this box, and the price. Uh, you know, is it, is set so that we then essentially pre-sell it, and then we and then we that order in with the farmers based upon how many boxes we've we've sold, collect that and then distribute them throughout the the different boxes, and then hand them out to the consumers. It's a it's a good way of people not wanting to go into a grocery store to get access to locally grown uh, uh, produce. And I I think as long as the demand is going to continue to be there, we'll 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 continue to um, offer that product. Okay, but you you are now doing these new pop-up events, right? We have been doing a few pop-up events. Last night we had a pop-up uh, uh, produce stand at the Islander Bookstore. I was not able to show up, but I heard it went well. There was a lot of people people uh, uh, interested. Um, we will be doing, we're in some discussions with some pop-up uh, uh, options out in the flats as well so that People can um, don't have to go all the way into town for that option. Um, we've held a few at the brewery, and that's proved to be pretty popular as well. Um, pretty convenient spot right in the middle of town to to stop in and get some produce. Um, and it's really based on uh, you know how much produce we have. If we have excess produce, we definitely want to sell it. Um, and so, well, uh, the more produce we've got, the more pop up opportunities we can have. Right. So the the events on Wednesdays at Sutliff's wasn't that originally your first uh, foray into community sales? As as I recall, uh, there there used to be two a week, right? And, and there, there was an event down at Sutliff's um, that that was uh, kind of coordinated through a different uh, group. Um, we um, started uh, doing a little. Uh, produce stand uh, in front of the old AC store downtown. Um, That sidewalk in front of the store is actually city property, so we worked closely with the city to get that established. Uh, And that that grew in popularity over the last couple of years, and we started to get uh, other vendors that were interested in in showing up. Uh, It does not appear that we're going to be able to do that at least through the end of August this year because we're We'll be uh, utilizing the site at the Kodiak Baptist Mission, um, and the the produce stand itself proved to be pretty logistically challenging um, and sort of a big risk based on the the, uh, uh, the the supply chain and the timing of when our orders needed to be placed and when the jet uh, came in, um, and frequently we had a produce stand with no produce, <laughs> which was uh, kind of inconvenient for, for both us and the consumer. <laughs> yeah. But that that uh, accentuates the, 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 the reasoning behind having um, local Kodiak growers and, and, and from the villages uh, increase the, the volume of produce they're growing and, and reduce the amount of produce that we have to bring in from off-island. Um, 
that's that's a primary objective of, of ours uh, is to work with the local growers and and if we could reduce our our purchasing of of, of produce from the the farmers on the mainland um, we're all for that um, and and definitely want to talk with those interested people that uh, that could um, that could benefit from that how how big is your how big are, is the group that supplies things to you now and what capacity do you think we could we could ultimately reach i mean how how many farmers can we accommodate so mike i i think that um we we have the ability to um grow or sell everything that is grown here on island um there's i don't feel there's any way that we could that, that local growers could even come come close to meeting the demand is there and what that means is there's just upside opportunities um giving a larson bay example sam said that the co-op is helping his his primary outlet this this summer um he shipped in i think it was 50 heads of uh, selenova lettuce we just got in at island air last night and that's going to be ready to be distributed this um this weekend we're going to uh, put those in our produce boxes that are already sold. Um, we've got some left. If people want to go to our website at kodiakharvest.org and purchase a produce box, it'll be available for pickup on Saturday. Um, and, and then we'll likely be doing another pop-up produce. And we, we don't have any problem selling all the produce that we get our hands on um, at all. Now, for Melissa and for uh, Sam, uh, is is there a, is there be, be, beside the market with the co-op is there also interaction between you and Safeway or is that just too big of a too big of a giant to be able to get into this is melissa just speaking for our farm that that is a, a much larger market to get into and i don't think that we can uh, meet the demands that um, they would have from our farm um, and so we're we're focusing on community and then getting out um you know through a smaller venue such as the harvest food co-op okay are there um are there problems with transportation of course, there are always problems with transportation going back and forth to the villages, but uh, what kind of arrangements would you have for the excess to get it into town? Yeah, maybe Sam could speak to that or Tyler. I'm not sure how they work that through Island Air, but you know, Island Air is the only um, service that has um, regular schedules to, to the villages, and so that would be our only opportunity yeah. as well. Yes, and that's how we transport our produce to Kodiak is through Island Air. And, and Island Air graciously, uh, graciously transported last year. I, I'm, I'm assuming, Tyler, that we weren't charged for it. Um, this year we're going to be sending a lot more through them, so there might be, they're, they're probably going to start charging. I know, that, I know that we have a meeting coming up with Island Air through Canada and the tribe out here, and I think we're going to talk about that in the upcoming meeting. Yeah, definitely a big thank you to Island Air for working with us last year. Um, I don't know the arrangements this year on that shipping arrangement, but um, in my my thoughts is that in order for the entire economy to benefit, I think that that would be a great 
um, that that island area receives some revenue from that because I know that I'm sure their their, their business is having challenges with this uh, tourism slowdowns. Um, and you know, the longer we can keep a dollar in the community, whether that's the airline service, whether that's Sam's Farm, um, or Old Harbor Farm, or, or folks on the uh, in on the road system here in Kodiak, the better. Well, I. I'd like to thank you for the idea of the pop-ups there, Tyler. I think it's a wonderful idea to partner with some of the local businesses that are also experiencing a downturn and a loss of business. So I, I think the idea of having the pop-up market there at the same time brings traffic to their story, and that helps a lot. Yeah, well, thanks for that appreciation, Mike. I have to send my appreciation to uh, to our uh our, our our main uh, person who's in charge of that is Janelle Solinger, and, and she's uh, she works hard and makes these things happen. So um, I just hide out in my home office. I, I don't have much else to do with it than that. <laughs> how how close are you to reaching full membership? And you know, we, let's just plug you a little bit. How can how can uh, people become members of the co-op, and what's the advantages of doing that? Well, I think that um, we're at about 509 members, I believe, is our current number, our current count. Um, a membership is a $150 share. Uh, at, at what you receive is, is the ability to take uh, economic ownership in this organization that is grassroots. And we what we started with as a, a goal to open a full-service grocery store has started to morph into this sort of a locally uh, uh, grassroots uh, uh, program that is uh, is able to bring produce, and, and we're working on opportunities with seafood as well um, to, to the consumers uh, of Kodiak. Um, and you, you receive the ability to... Um, to vote in our uh, board elections. So if at some point you would like to serve on our board, you can do so and you can vote for membership or uh, directors. Um, and so if there's a direction that others want to take this in the future, they have an opportunity to do so as well. Well, you, the, the pie in the sky is the, the, the brick and mortar store where you can go in and pick things up. But the short-term goal is to get more people involved in the, the growing community and in building the local economy and being able to buy things local, right? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, the pie in the sky would be great. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still probably a north of a couple million dollars to build a brick-and-mortar store. Um, the models of a traditional food co-op grocery store that you might see like in the Pacific Northwest or over on the East Coast, um, they have a prescription. You know, it's like Here's a, a middle-class city that's got uh, a college in it and a certain population, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand. The, they, the traditional food co-op grocery store model works in those communities, and and we're not those communities. I, I think we have a unique situation here to create something different that's maybe not the exact cookie-cutter food co-op grocery store model, but that fits Kodiak's community and addresses some of, their food, of our food security needs and, and allows us to, to take ownership of at least this food portion of our economy. Local internet presence, pop-up, you know, delivery, 
um, it's it's just a new way of getting things into your home. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, you can become a member at, at uh, www.kodiakharvest.org, and you can also purchase produce box or some other add-on item at that same site. So, Sam, out in Larson Bay, how are things going for you? And and you know, it sounds like things are growing. Uh, they're, they're going one. Yeah, things are going wonderful out here. We're having by far our best year ever. Um, every year we improve a little bit. I get a little more knowledge, a little more practice at it. And we've got a huge variety of, of, of things growing now. I've got, uh, I've got peas and beans set up for Tyler for, in sequence of three weeks apart. So we should have peas and beans most of the summer once they start uh, blooming here for us. Um, I, got, I got celery. I, got, I started with 175 heads of lettuce and of them yesterday um, and I got more as soon as we're done with this call I'm gonna go replace the ones we harvested last night so um, now things things are going really good um, I tip my hat to all of the to Robbie and all the people all the Donna Donna Ray all the trainers that the people that have taken time mid short um, to take their time out of their own personal gardens and farms and come and school us in this um, it's been an ongoing process but it's coming to fortation again just I could use uh, the, if, our, when our school closed, we lost probably 30% or more of our population, and there's just not a lot of full-time residents left here. Uh, but we use what we got, and we keep moving forward, and uh, the farm gets a little better every year. Sam, did you start out as a farmer? Nope. <laughs> Actually, I was in FF in high school a ago. Uh, and I had a little hobby farm in Oregon before I moved up here, uh, but that was mostly just uh, grazing, just just growing hay and uh, grazing horses and a couple cows. Um, but we always had gardens, and we had gardens. I had gardens up here with my wife. My wife grew up uh, here in the village. She was born here in the village, um, and her mother had huge gardens. They grew all our own potatoes. They grew cabbages and uh, rutabagas, and my wife grew up that way, and we did it around our house. And when the opportunity for this to get, get, to get involved in this project came up, I jumped on it. It sounds like you're having fun. And it's been a wonderful. Yeah. I am having fun. This is a this is a labor of love. I'm 63 years old now. I'm look. I'm wanting to re, I'm wanting to retire, but this is this is going to be my retirement. Is working this farm. So, and Melissa, you know, I, I see a lot of joy in your face when you talk about the bison. This imagine it probably wasn't in the back of your mind at any time in your life before it became a reality that you were going to become the bison queen. Yeah, no, I was more of a chicken wrangler, but <laughs> 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 you know, we, uh, we learned a lot um, with maritime ranching, and what was ironic is uh, Old Harbor, we've got a, a large uh, fishing industry uh, community here, um, commercial fishing, and uh, we found a lot of similarities between uh, ranching and uh, commercial fishing, and so we've got a lot of dedicated fishermen that were able to adapt their uh, both their work ethic and their skills and apply them into, um, you know, uh, growling up bison. And, and so it, it's worked out. <laughs> um, this isn't a, something that I've done alone. And we have a, a large dedicated team here that's um, 
you know, really wants to see this, this work out and, um, and, and we see the long-term um, goal and um, opportunity that it's going to bring for our community. So it, it is a labor of love, like Sam said. Um, sometimes you feel defeated, like when bison break out of the corral or you just can't get them to go where you want them to go. But, <laughs> um, you know, when, when you see them out grazing um, where, they, where they need to be, um, you know, you, you feel a, a sense of accomplishment and you know that that herd's going to grow and, and there's good things to come. And so is your community. So that's really lovely. Thank all three of you for joining us today and sharing your stories about what you're doing out in your individual communities to make us stronger and uh, more self-reliant people. Uh, you have a great weekend. Thank you. You Thanks, too. Mike. All right. Thank you for sharing your time. Yep, thank, you. thank you very much. You bet, Sam. Have a good day. <laughs>